Hi, this is Dr. MJ coming to you from beautiful Boston, Massachusetts. This is the Women in Dentistry podcast where we feature women in dentistry making waves and leading the industry through the next decade. I am your host, Dr. Mary Jane Hanlon, a former dental assistant, dental hygienist, and now dentist. I'm pleased to introduce you today to Ms. Didi Ree. Didi helps dental teams increase productivity by identifying what drives them, honing in on passion points, and cultivating talent towards a more fulfilling and profitable work. A lifelong learner, Didi fundamentally believes in sharing wisdom with her clients and learning about their subjective experiences. Didi's recognized as one of the top 25 women in dentistry and is frequently a featured speaker at dental symposiums and has published a number of articles in dental periodicals on the topic of practice improvement. To her role, Didi brings more than 20 years of practice management experience and a background in clinical coordination and dental assisting. She's a certified master coach and builds effectiveness, joy, and fulfillment in all who work with her. It is my pleasure now to bring you to my interview with Ms. Didi Reed. Didi, I am so excited to welcome you to the Women in Dentistry podcast show today. Thank you so much for your time and for being here with us. You know, just like I do with all my other guests, I'd really love it if you could share with our audience how you got into dentistry and what you've been doing with your career so far and where you are at this moment in time. I started as at 18. My mom found a a little bitty ad in the newspaper that said three to six will train. And, and I, I thought, okay, I wanted to go to medical school. That was my dream. And so I went for the interview and got the job working for an endodontist three to six Monday through Friday and thought it was the coolest thing that I didn't have to work nights and weekends and, and was getting paid better than working at the mall. So big $4 an hour. I was, I was so psyched. So assisting, I I assisted all through college and then they would work around my school schedule. And then I started learning the business side of dentistry and really fell in love with that. Crunching numbers and having more patients say yes. It was like, that was, that was really fun for me. So after I started doing office management and then doing treatment coordination with, you know, closing big cases for doctors. And then I uh, started my own consulting business about eight years ago with Dr. Mark Montgomery from Oregon and been doing this ever since. So teaching and coaching and consulting and supporting doctors, having, you know, having their dream. And now you live in California? Yes. And he lives in Oregon. How does that work? So I met him at a continuing education conference in Scottsdale. And he just started hanging out with our team. And I I was like, who are you? Like, you know, you're hanging out with my team. Like, what's going on? And so we started talking philosophy and values and everything that we talking about was really clicking and in in alignment and we became great friends in the beginning and he was one to actually push me to do consulting because I had said I wanted to do it and I had you know done a little here and there but he 
I met him on a, at a, another weekend that he was teaching and he introduced me to the whole room as a dental consultant. We had on a bar napkin the night before had kind of written my business plan. Wow. So then he announced to the whole room that they'd all be stupid not to hire me. And I was like, I don't even have a business card. Like, what are you doing? But you know, the rest is history. And then we, we decided to start our business together seven, eight years ago. So how exciting. That's awesome. That's awesome. So you travel everywhere together or do you do it separately? We typically, if we're going to go into a practice, we go in together because we see it from two different perspectives. He's really looking at things from a clinical perspective and supporting doctors in treatment planning and workflow. And then my role is, you know, listening to all the communication of the doctor and the team. How are they managing the patients? Are they listening to the patients? And then delivering on what the patient wants, because that's what I found has worked the best for me in having more patients say yes to comprehensive treatment. So we kind of tag team that. And then we do a lot on Zoom. So We have a leadership development program that we're starting another round of that in June. And, you know, it's something where it's a study club and um, like 20 doctors and where we're meeting every, every month. And I've got a a very set out curriculum uh, where we're working on how to be a better leader, how to lead your team, how to have difficult conversations, both with your team and with patients. And you know, understanding your leadership style and understanding other people's personality styles. So then you can flex in that and then really learn how to get a handle on time, manage overwhelm and make really good strategic decisions for business development. Great. Sounds awesome. You know, one thing that you just said um, really kind of clicked with me personality wise Do you do assessments on your teams when you work with them? Because I find that, you know, personality assessments are key for understanding different people and why they don't process information like you and I might, you know, I mean, it's very, it's real. Once you start looking at it and paying attention, it's amazing. It's almost like the synapses of the brain work differently in different people. Well, and they do. So yes, we do assessments. So I am a a licensed certified fascination profile coach. And so we do some fascination profiles. We also, we've used DISC over the years as well. And it's interesting in having doctors look at it from a perspective of how adult learning is different than what we grew up with in, you know, kind of the didactic learning in school. And so understanding the personality style actually has you be able to communicate on a different level with someone and understanding that it's a lot of repetition for adult learning and they've got to get in and do hands-on and role play and, you know, which nobody likes, you know, you say role play. I have, I've tried to take that out of my vocabulary. It's like, we're going to practice or we're going to do a little exercise because role play, everybody's like, ah, I don't want to do that. Right. Yeah. But knowing the personality styles really helps you communicate and have understanding actually land with the other person. 
and then be able to appreciate the differences because if we were all the same, we'd be a mess. <laughs> so true. It's like, how can I appreciate what you bring to the table that's opposite of me or different from me so that when we have a particular project or marketing plan, you know, it may, it may be that there is one person on the team that's better at the social and fun stuff. And there's others that are really meticulous. That's going to help us get all, all, everything organized. And so really balancing the talent on the team. That's what we found has made a huge difference. If we can appreciate and the whole team appreciate each other, even though we're different, you know, finding the similarities and appreciating the differences. Very good. So did you spare, spend a fair amount of time getting trained as a coach, you know, outside of, of obviously dentistry and leadership training? Yes. So talk a little bit about that. Sure. At 24, I got a phone call from a hygienist that I used to work with. And she called and said, Dee, I did this training. It, it um, blew me away. It changed my whole world. And I was like, what? Like, what do you, what do you mean? Like this chick was like somebody I looked up to as a dental assistant. I was young. I was 20 and she was, had it all together. And I was like, you went to a training that changed your life. Like, if I could just get a little pinch of that, that'd be cool. So it was a transformational training and mm -hmm. I did their basic course, their advanced course, their uh, leadership program. And then I started coaching like right into that over, oh gosh, it was 18 years that I did all volunteer work as a coach where I had eight to 10 people that I was responsible for every morning. I get up at three 30 in the morning I would take calls from 4.30 to 6.30 because I had eight people. I would spend 15 minutes, five days a week. I would do two hours of coaching calls before I got ready to go to the office. And then I did hundreds of the basic and advanced courses. So then I, I led the, the staffing teams and small group leaders and that kind of thing. So you did that all for free? I did. Why? because I got so much from it. Like what I gave was, I felt like was 10%. And what I got back was 150, you know, and it, it helped me learn more about myself, more about my communication, you know, how, how well my coaching is working or not working, you know? And so it gave me a really great practice ground. And I, I worked with people from all different walks of life from, you know, attorneys and dentists and housewives and school teachers. And we put together a 90 day uh, letter of accomplishment that they had, you know, specific goals in seven different areas of their life. And it was my job to make sure that those things turned out in 90 days. And I took that as seriously as they did. And a lot of the things on their letter of accomplishment were things they didn't think were possible, which is really cool because having the impossible happen is like, it's magical and yeah. seeing people grow and learn more about themselves. Their relationships were, were more intimate and their communications got better. People got better jobs. I mean, it was, you know, it, it's about not just professional development, but personal growth and they go hand in hand. I don't, there's no, there's no 
difference in those things. And a lot of people think that it's like, oh, a professional development for a doctor is clinical education, you know, and there's so much more to that. Well, and I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. As far as transformation, I love the wording there because obviously you're, you're going from one person and transforming or evolving or emerging as a new person. And so I love the name of that training and it's, I've never heard of it before. So very curious to read more about it and, and understand it a little bit better because obviously it's, it makes a huge difference. Now, from a leadership perspective, did you focus on leadership training during that time too? Yes. So I actually was in a, what they called a leadership PhD program. And so over the course of about a year, year and a half, we, we had a bunch of module evenings and then we had uh, several weekends that we were together learning these leadership tools and skills and then developing our own training, delivering our own training, filling the audience of our own training. So it was a trainer and training kind of program where you're, you know, at the front of the room leading the program. My, my topic was always on uh, life as an enrollment game. You're either being enrolled by someone else or you're enrolling them. And, and I see that with patients. That's why I feel like I have, have had so much success in having patients say yes because it's all about enrollment. And so, you know, that, that practice ground for me over those 18 years uh, have paid off in, in so many ways. I can't even, I can't even add them all up. That's awesome. So you're, you're not working in any practices now and just doing consulting. Correct. How fabulous. So they're all my practices now. So I care about these practices as much or more than the doctors do because their numbers are my numbers. Their results are my results and, and seeing their patients transform. So we've done a lot of in-office coaching where I'll have new patients be put on a schedule for me and we will video me doing a new patient consultation and walking through the whole process with, with the team. And then they can take that video and you know, listen to the languaging, listen to the questions that I ask so that we can dive deeper into a relationship-based practice and have you know, a true understanding of why the patients are here to see us, what matters to them, and what their hopes and fears are so that we can deliver on what their goals are and what their expectations are, you know, of de developing a new relationship with a dentist. You know, when I ask that question, the patients are like, whoa, no one's ever asked me that before. And it's like, that is something that matters to, to all of us in, in delivering the very best dentistry has to offer. And, you know, there's some people who would answer that question. Well, I want the dentist to have my best interest at heart because where I was before, I felt like they were all about the money or I want you guys to give me, you know, bottom line it. Don't give me a bunch of details. Just give me the, you know, the, the bottom line because I, I don't want to know everything. Well, isn't that so funny because that's a different personality type, right? It totally is. But if it was an engineer, that engineer type, there's no way you could get away with that. Right. And so that's why I asked that question. So then I know who I'm dealing with 
and how we can deliver. Now, engineers and accountants are my favorite to have them say yes to treatment because it's a logical thinking understanding. And it's like, if we can get them in the process, it, it's a slam dunk. So yeah, I love that because it's the back and forth and how things kind of unfold organically in learning about people and their human behavior and their likes and their dislikes. And, you know, so I used to tell Mark all the time that I go to the office to make new friends every day. Like that's my, that's my role here is I go and I learn about people and I find out about their occupation and what they do for fun and why they came to us. And, you know, tell me about your dental history. And, you know, it's like, what are their values? And so I would report to him. It's so funny. I would call him on my way home from the office and say, Oh my God. He was like, who did you meet today? And I was like, I had four new patients. Let me tell you all about them. You know? <laughs> and that was like the highlight of my, my time in the office. I feel like now being a, a coach, you know, the people on, on the teams, those are my new best friends, you know, and how I can have the light turn on for them or something occur that they've never thought about before. That's the juice for me, you know, and having them see the world through different lenses, you know, and seeing possibility. I learned that from my grandmother. She was a possibility thinker and out of the box thinker. She was all about prevention before that was a cool thing. And so, and she always told me, you know, anything you put your mind to, you can have happen and anything is possible. So those are words I heard from the time I was, you know, a baby. Absolutely. And what great, great wisdom from your grandmother, because everything is possible. And the more I understand about life and the way it works and how we create it and, you know, our thoughts are really things and how we think and what we think about is critically important to, you know, the reality of our life. You know, our, re our life reflects our thoughts and the choices that we make on a day-to-day -day basis. So really great, great sage advice. It's interesting in this time of COVID, I've, I've, felt this a lot from, you know, hygienists and assistants and front office and, and doctors, there's a lot of fear going on. There's a lot of uncertainty. And so there's all these circumstances. So I learned this a couple, a couple weeks ago from a woman on dental Intel. We had a dental Intel meeting and she's a life coach, which is what I've done for so long. And she talked about, we have circumstances that are outside of ourselves. This is neutral. It's not good, bad, right or wrong. There's yep. circumstances. And then we always, that those circumstances are going to generate thoughts. The thoughts are going to generate feelings and feelings are going to decide whether we're going to get into action, inaction or reaction. And I was like, Oh my gosh. So like this so builds on, on top of each other. And then ultimately having the results that you have in your life, because people are committed to creating a feeling or avoiding a feeling. That's the only reason we do anything. Exactly. And if we can get in recognition of that, life's a lot easier. 
you know, understanding what feelings do I want to generate every single day to feel like I'm accomplishing and I'm on top of things. You know, it's like those are keeping your thoughts focused there can have magic happen. So, well, isn't it better when you feel positive and feel good about things rather than, oh my gosh, and let fear take over? I mean, it just is, is a waste of energy as far as I'm concerned at this point. And one of the things I do, you know, feel um, having, you know, been in my day job working with emergency patients with the dental school, you know, one of the things that I've noticed is that it's critically important to stay positive and educate yourself. You know, I feel like now, and I'm not 100% sure, but I think if we did a survey on all the people that are still afraid today, they would be the ones that haven't educated themselves about what's going on. Right. If you don't take action, right? Exactly. Then you're just waiting for stuff to happen to you. Exactly. And you have to get educated. You have to take action. You have to be proactive and say, okay, what do I need to do to keep my life safe? And what do I need to do to keep my, the people around me safe? And as a leader in our you know, organizations across the board, we have to do that research and we have to do, uh, gain that knowledge. And this is new to everybody. There's no playbook. There's no written plan. We don't know how it's going to react. We have no idea what's coming next year. But all we can do is take care of today because we can't worry about the boogeyman coming and what could happen tomorrow. Just worry about today and plan the best you possibly can for today and not tomorrow. Yeah, and, and that's what's interesting. And if we're focused on the present, like this is the only time that I have now and now and now. I can't do anything about what's already happened. I can make some plans for the future, but you know how that always works out. You make some plans and then, you know, God laughs. It's like, ha ha. Yeah. Okay. You thought it was going to go that way. I got other plans. Yeah, you thought that's how this was going to go. Yeah. And so it's, I mean, yes, we have to plan. Yes. We have to take action on those things to have things ready in order to, you know, keep our team safe and patients safe. But it's, it, it's like you said, educate yourself, get in action and have a plan and be flexible because it's going to change tomorrow and tomorrow. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. That's great conversation. So what do you think is the best single piece of advice that you've ever received? I would say that it is having a possibility mindset that, you know, learning it, really excites me. And that's what I've loved about dentistry my whole career is there's always something more to learn and staying in what's possible. What else? What else? What else? And looking for how could I make this work? You know, I hear from doctors all the time. Well, you know, insurance companies, this and, you know, DSO that. And it's like, well, what do you really want? And if you are clear, clarity is king. Confusion is the enemy of anything good happening, but clarity has stuff happen. And so having a possibility mindset, I think has always been something that has had me have success. And 
using that on a daily basis. I have a, I have a sign over my front door that says, when's the last time you did something for the first time? Uh, and that's something that I look at every single day and go, okay, what did I do today that was new and different and learning? You know, it makes it fun. Well, not only that, but I do believe truly in my heart of hearts that learning something new on a regular basis helps our brain to stay sharp because that means the neurons have to, you know, fire and, and keep working because you're trying to process new information. So for me, as I mature, you know, I'm looking at ways that I can continue to learn something new all the time so that I'm challenging myself and challenging my brain in order to keep sharp. What do you think helped you the most to get to where you are today? Is there a step that you took, a person that you met, something that happened, or do you think it was just all self-motivation? Definitely not. You know, it's surrounding myself with people who are smarter than me mm-hmm. and trying not to be the smartest one in the room. I want to be not the smartest one in the room so I can learn from everyone around me. But to get where I am today, I would say that it's been having those people who are encouraging, who see my value and my worth and remind me when I'm in a bunch of self-doubt of my greatness. I have a girlfriend who called me right before this and I said, let me call you back as soon as we wrap up. She's one that I could call at any time, day or night, and I could say, I suck. I need you to remind me of my worth and value. And she's my cheerleader and vice versa, you know, and it's having people in your life that you can be honest with, that you can be straightforward with, and that still have your back no matter what. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. And usually, you know, with us girls, it's usually another girlfriend. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. In, in my career, I've worked for both male and female doctors, mm-hmm. but it's been a lot of the times it's been the male doctors who said, you should go do that speaking thing. You should go. I want you to fly. I want you to spread your wings so that you are everything that you want to be. And they, I mean, like Mark, you know, he saw the, the possibility before I did in, in going, yeah, we're doing this. You're going to be a consultant. So just get over it, you know? And threw you in the deep end. <laughs> it's like, swim, baby. And I guess I, you know, under pressure is I, I excel under pressure because it's like, okay, it's, it's a sink or swim kind of thing. So, and I think part of that comes from, you know, working in a dental practice with people who show up completely scared, high anxiety, and they show up kind of sideways, you know, it's like they're cranky and they're not nice sometimes. And it's like being able to work that in such a way that we bring comfort and love and connection and relationship to bring down the anxiety. I think that's kind of been my playground in having, having, these connections work over the long time, over the long haul. That is really awesome. Who um, do you think has made the biggest impact on your life? I would say my grandmother, for sure. She was a school teacher and taught me to read um, when I was three. And, 
and I'm a voracious reader. And so it's like anything I can get my hands on to learn and grow. I'm all about it. And she was one that we, you know, we would go on Saturdays to the library and, you know, check out a bunch of books. So, and we come back and have Saturday nights at her house and we'd both be sitting with our books and telling each other about, you know, what we were, what we were reading about. So I think her influence in that has really helped me seek out different ways to educate myself and guilty pleasures, you know, guilty pleasure books, but it's like getting into another world when you're reading and, and having, having a whole different uh, adventure, if you will. And you know, the mind can't distinguish whether or not you're in it or you're not. And so you're enjoying that story and it's actually part of your story because in your mind, you're really experiencing is it. Isn't that true? It is. It is. What obstacle have you overcome in your lifetime that you're most proud of? I have had a body image issue for so many years. I grew up doing pageants as a little girl from age seven to 22. And um, so I was always on stage. I was always in front of people. And, you know, back then it was like, you've got to be perfect. And after college, I started gaining weight. And about seven years ago, I was 264 pounds. Oh my goodness. And I had struggled all through my late twenties, my whole, all of my thirties and, you know, early part of my forties with weight issues. I'd lose 80 pounds. I gain a hundred. I'd lose 60. I'd gain 70. It's like whenever I was off of whatever program that I was, had been losing, as soon as I was off, my weight would inch back up. And it's like having a mindset of, okay, what, how else can I solve this? And what's another way? Seven years ago, I found out that I have sleep apnea. Didn't know that. My gynecologist was the one who said, you know, that of all the things you're telling me. So my backstory, just a little bit, I had a personal trainer that I was working out with that year, two hours a day, six days a week for 11 months. And I was eating 1,100 to 1,300 calories a day. I was logging all my food. We were tweaking my protein. And at the end of 11 months, I had only lost 13 pounds. Oh, my goodness. After two-hour-a-day workouts? I was stronger. Don't get me wrong. I mean, you, I was building some muscle, but I wasn't getting skinny. My workout partner was this big, and I was pissed. Cause it was like, I am working so hard here. And I, I mean, I felt good, but that wasn't the perp. I mean, I wanted to get my health under control and lose weight. So my trainer said, I, mm, I think something's going on with your hormones. He goes, you're here every day We're, you know, we've been tweaking stuff and we're just not seeing movement. So I went to my gynecologist and kind of gave her the whole story. And she said, of all the things you're telling me, I have two concerns. Your blood pressure's out of sight. I want you to go get on blood pressure meds, which was devastating to me at 40. I know exactly what you mean. And then she said, I want, I want you to have a sleep study. And I laughed. I said, we do those at my office. And she's like, well, they do one for yourself. <laughs> it came back that it was um, mild sleep apnea. You know, my AHI was an eight. And, but my blood oxygen 
was dropping to 78%. Wow. And that got my attention really, really fast. And so overcoming my struggle with my body image and weight, I was able to take yoga and I wore a CPAP for five years religiously, carried it all over the country, everywhere I was traveling. And at the end of five years, I was, I had, well, in, I lost 140 pounds in about 18 months-ish. Just because of the CPAP? So CPAP, yoga, then I had an emergency hysterectomy. I mean, it was like one thing after another. And so, yeah, it was just total commitment to getting my health under control. And because I was finally getting good sleep, I mean, my REM sleep on that original test was 5%. And so I was like, well, no wonder. I just thought, well, I don't need that much sleep. I'm a high chick. I'm a high energy chick. Like, it's fine. You know, I don't have kids, so I don't have anything to complain about that I'm tired because you know, all my friends have kids running around and it was just like, I don't have time to, to complain about that. And when I started getting good sleep again, it was like, holy crap. I had no idea how depleted I had gotten because it was such a slow process to get to that. But yeah, I mean, that was, that was a huge eye opener for me is learning that I had sleep apnea and then acting on that and finding a solution that was working for me. So it was that, you know, combined with a lot of other things. I mean, my yoga instructor, I took a year and a half private yoga with my knee surgeon's wife, who I met at a post-op appointment and we kind of bonded. We were doing one-on-one yoga in the reception room of his office, the orthopedic surgeon's office. Um, but she really helped me retrain those tapes in my head that, you know, you're worth it. You can do this. And she, I'd be in the middle of a, of a pose and she's like, Didi, your body is your friend. Oh, I would burst into tears. I'm like, Leslie, my body hadn't been my friend in a really long time. And so that's what we worked on. Those two hours a week were the highlight of my whole week. And it was in that constant practice. So I would, I would do uh, yoga with her, but then I also had a class that I went to. So I was doing yoga five or six days a week, pretty consistently. Oh my gosh. So in total, how much weight did you lose? 140. So I went from 264 to 120. And, you know, I've, I've gained a little bit back. Um, I stay between 125 and 130, but I've been... I've been at this weight solidly for the last six years. Good for you. Do you know, I mean, people in the audience are going to hear that and just be so amazed that something like sleep apnea, and I know that lack of sleep does contribute to lack of weight loss, but I had no idea how much. Well, your cortisol, stress, hormone, mine was through the roof. And your body just wants to hold on to fat because it thinks you're not going to get more food. I mean, it goes all the way back to caveman days. Right. And I was working with sleep patients every day in my office. So I had all the lingo. I knew all the the stuff. I just didn't 
understand how it was affecting me. You, yeah. Oh my gosh, that is an amazing, inspiring story. So thank you for that. When you reflect back, would you describe yourself as a confident woman? And if not, how did you gain confidence? So I would say yes and no. You know, confidence has been something I've worked on since I was a little girl. So I was telling you I was in pageants and my, I come from a family that was very poor, but my mom was looking for, you know, opportunities for me to be able to kind of break out of that whole uh, economic situation. And she would dress me up in my little party dress and put my crown on. And because we couldn't afford to pay the entry fees and stuff for my competitions, I went to business after business after business, speaking to business owners and asking for sponsorships. So I was talking money with adults and, and selling myself, if you will, you know, have getting enrollment in a atmosphere that you just don't know. I like from one business to the next, you didn't know what you were going to be walking into or who the owner was and how that was going to go down. But it was great practice ground for me in being able to, to stand on my own, being able to, you know, become confident, you know, it's like, and talk to anyone. Yeah, you've got to be able to practice these things in order to be confident. And I, when we working with doctors about, you know, how to present treatment with confidence, it's like the way you vocalize it matters. And, you know, so we work and coach that um, because not everybody has had my training as a little girl, you know, and, um, and then in pageants, we also worked on interview questions you know, over and over and over so that I could answer interview questions on stage and still be able to speak intelligently. Right. And you have to be quick on your feet, don't you? Yeah. On the spot for sure. Wow. Good training and, and great story. I just love it. Is there anyone in dentistry today who is, inspires you to do what you do? I would say there are a lot of people that, that do that. You know, Mark being my partner, he, I feel like I'm, I learn from him every day. His favorite phrase is curiosity is the opposite of judgment. Mm. And being curious has had a lot of doors open for me in having, having doctors who have uh, encouraged my hopes and dreams and being able to kind of branch out and do more than, you know, where I was today, you know, not that where I was, wasn't a great thing. It's just like, I had other dreams. I wanted to be an entrepreneur since I was a little girl and getting a Girl Scout cookie, selling Girl Scout cookies door to door and, you know, being the, the high salesperson in my whole brownie troop. You know, so it's like I started entrepreneurship with when I was little. That's fabulous training. Yeah. So it's, it's been something that I've had to work at and having people who believe in me has really helped. I mean that I think having a coach, having a mentor and having surrounding yourself with people who believe what you believe gives like more fire 
you know, adds more, more uh, fuel to the fire. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I, I do think reflecting on, on your story a little bit that your mom has made a huge impact on you. For sure. And you know, what an amazing, you know, stroke of genius as far as I'm concerned to, you know, make you do this and push you a little bit and, you know, let's do this and you can do it. And, and she wanted so much more for you, which is just a, you know, being a mom myself and a grandmother, you know, it's, you couldn't want any more for your kids than you do for yourself. I mean, it's just amazing. You would die for them. You know, basically that's what it comes down to. So kudos to your mom. Tell us one thing um, that people would be surprised to know about you. Um, that I love the beach and I hate the sand. <laughs> so you must go on a boat. Either on a boat or I, you know, make sure I have shoes on, on the beach or I'm on the boardwalk. You know, I can see the ocean, see the sand and I'm good. But I, I just don't, it's like getting dirty. I just don't like it. So, um, you know, I live down the street from the beach and yeah, that's a little silly thing. It's okay. It's okay. That's awesome. Now, have you ever had an aha moment when you realized, oh my gosh, I'm right where I'm supposed to be in life? Yes. Nothing better, is there? Recently, yeah, that happened to me. I had asked one of our client doctors to write me a recommendation letter for a uh, group that I was joining. And she fed back to me the things that we were teaching. And knowing that my role for her is cultivating the human spirit. I was like, whoa, like that's super cool. You know, having her say that I taught her more about herself in the last 18 months than she's learned in 48 years because I had her slow down, you know, self-care, understanding how to communicate in a way that takes into consideration her boundaries and her values. And, you know, I was in tears when I got this letter from her and it was like, oh my God, like I'm doing the work I'm supposed to be doing. I am exactly where I'm supposed to be. And that feedback, there is nothing more satisfying than that feedback, knowing that you're accomplishing something and making a difference. Yes. Have you had to do any marketing at all for your business? And if so, you know, has there been a key marketing idea that has been extremely successful for you? We have done very little marketing. Most of our clients are word of mouth or they come from, so Mark does clinical mentoring and does courses in, um, you know, full mouth rehab, smile design, occlusion, and a lot of the people that come and take those courses, those have been kind of our little place where we found people that match our values, that want to grow. You know, they're learning these clinical skills. But it's like, if you can't go back to the office and have a patient say yes, it doesn't matter what you learn. And that for me was distressing. I was like, that is not okay with me that these people come, they spend this time and money and energy and effort, and then they get back to the office and can't have a patient say yes. It's a total waste of all of our time. 
you know? And so that's really where we have um, been able to market to those people who are interested in that type of service to add to their practice. And so, you know, helping them be able to have more patients say yes to their clinical brilliance. That's, you know, that's really how we've marketed. We, we have done a little bit with, on different uh, podcasts and that kind of thing, but not anything that's been you know, substantial, a big, a big push. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. What's your favorite way to relieve stress? Sitting by the ocean, yoga, um, and meditation and my, and my, and my dog. Ah, uh, yes, you do love your dog. Pumpkin, Grayson. And he's brought a lot of joy to my life in the last, you know, eight, eight weeks plus, you know, in being uh, stuck at home. So it's, that's, those are my, those are my stress relievers for sure. Awesome. Do you have a personal motto, a mantra that you live by? I do. Bold, ambitious results. Bold, ambitious results. Great. Yeah. Great. You know, I have purple streaks in my hair to remind me to stay bold. Ah, ambition is like you know how far can i go with what i'm doing and and i'm all all about results type a personality it's like what are the results and how can i affect the results what else can i do to improve them mm-hmm. yeah yep. tweaking every single day that's awesome tweaking it for myself and and helping tweak it for other people so that you know every it's a win for everyone right 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 do you have a guilty pleasure or a secret dream that you would like to share with the audience? Um, guilty pleasure would be um, popsicles. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. And secret dream is to have a late night talk show. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. Yeah. What would your focus be? On re- how to build better relationships. I think you should do it. That's been in, my, in the back of my head for a long time. But yeah, I feel like all we have are relationships and how we navigate in the world matters on how we communicate, how we connect or or how we disconnect and be able to set uh, healthy boundaries. Um, Yeah, that I mean that all of that is so fascinating to me. Like I could I could spend day and night studying that stuff. I have no doubt. I share that same passion with you. Do you know who Mel Robbins is? I've heard that name before. Oh, you need to go look her up. Okay. You know, if you aspire to do something like that, she will blow your socks off and make that dream become a reality. I love it. Yeah, she's, uh, she's awesome. And, and somebody that, that I have connected with in dentistry, um, she lives in Massachusetts and the moment I met her, I'm like, oh my gosh, who is this pistol? I love that. She has been blowing the world away for, for a couple of years, but she just got her own show and she's doing amazing. Just amazing. I will look that up. Thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. All right. When you're having a bad day, how do you make sure that you maintain your composure? So example, you know, example would be, you're working with a team and something has happened and you're having a bad day and obviously you don't want to affect your work. So how do you manage those emotions and keep them in check so that it doesn't affect what you're doing? I focus out. 
So if I'm having a bad day, the more I focus on me, the worse it gets. Absolutely. And so I remind myself that I am here to serve. And the second the focus gets off of me and onto other people, it shifts my energy. Another technique I use is, is breathing. I have an app on my phone, Cardia, and it is you know a breathing app where you it, there's like a little balloon that blows up and then um, deflates, and they have a little program in it that does five minutes, and I can bring like panic down to total calm in five minutes, and maybe even less than that with that app for me. So that has been well. I'm gonna look that up, Cardia. Cardia, K-A-R-D-I-A. Okay, I'm going to look that up because that sounds fascinating. Mm -hmm. Well, I can't thank you enough for spending your time with us today. It has been a great hour spending this time learning more about you and all the cool stuff that you're doing. I know that we have your website and your YouTube channel and all of that kind of stuff. We'll make sure that when we post the podcast that all of that will be up there because I'm sure somebody's going to want to connect with you along the way. What you're doing is every practice needs, and especially post COVID-19, if we're not doing everything and bringing our A game, I think every single day, it's going to be that much more of a struggle. I think all of us really need to learn how to lead and how to communicate better. And I think, you know, that might be one of the silver linings of all of this is spending more and more time with our families and more and more time communicating with one another, rather than being on the phone constantly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or on the computer or disconnected from disconnected, people. right with the whole world with the whole world. Uh, Didi, thanks so much. Thank you so much for listening to the Women in Dentistry podcast with Dr. MJ Hanlon. If you like our show and want to know more about us, check out our website, thewomenindentistry.com, or please leave us a review on iTunes. Join us for our next episode as we bring you another amazing woman leading the way for the next generation.